want to share with you the next uh, 20, 25 minutes or so, understanding the times and knowing what to do. Understanding the times that we are in and knowing what to do. It's one thing to understand, and I think some of us have an understanding, but might be possibly lacking a little bit in our spiritual understanding. And so this is critical that you and I understand the times, and beyond that, we know what to do. So this morning is a message of hope to help us understand the times uh, and, and dealing with this, this, this horrific thing that is uh, across the globe right now, this coronavirus, COVID-19. What are we as Christians supposed to do during this crucial hour, our preparation and our readiness for Christ when he returns is so critical right now that we understand that. So take your Bibles, if you would. Open up with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 12. 1 Chronicles chapter 12. And that is going to be the text of our, um, the context of our message this morning. The Bible gives us a list of men. 1, Corinthians, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 23 through 32. The Bible gives us a list of men that were equipped for war. We, we are talking about this coronavirus as if we are in a war with the invisible enemy. And we indeed are in a war. So these men that David talked about helped David to turn over the kingdom to Saul. Uh, or the kingdom of Saul to David, I'm sorry. So the sons of Judah, uh, and it goes through the list. Uh, for the sake of time this morning, I'm not going to read all of what happened here, but I want you to understand that the record of the sons of Issachar came after these first record of men were listed. And there were over 60,000 men that were mentioned. The record of the sons of Issachar, however, was completely different from these men. The over 60,000 men that were mentioned in 1 Chronicles were ready to go to battle, which is great. It's good, but you know what? It's not enough. And you and I might be ready to go to battle, and we recognize that we're in a battle right now, but we must not only be listed in the Lord's army, we must have an understanding of the times. You say, Pastor, I understand the times, I see what's going on, I watch CNN, I watch Fox News, I've, I've heard enough to know what's going on. Your ears and your heart would be open and receptive and attentive to what the Lord wants us to, to understand. Right now, I believe the church is poised and set up for an amazing opportunity, one like maybe we're not even aware that we have right now for the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and let's open our hearts in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the promises of your word for us that are yea and amen. I thank you for the truth of scripture, even going all the way back to the Old Testament, to help prepare us, the bride, the body of Christ, for a time such as this. I pray that our, our ears would be receptive, Lord. Speak to our hearts, I pray, through your Holy Spirits and transform our lives, our way of thinking, our hearts, our way of feeling, our minds, Jesus. Transform us into the image of Christ, I pray. Lord, I pray that these next few minutes together online, you would truly, by your Holy Spirit, speak to people in this church and beyond we lift up our nation, our community, our world, all that are going through this difficult tragedy. And I pray, God, that believers 
would recognize and understand the times and like the sons of Issachar would know what to do in Jesus' name. Amen. The sons of Issachar stood out from all the others because they were the only ones, understand, they were the only ones that the understanding of the times were attributed to. They were the only ones who had a discerning mind to know what was happening in the time of question and they knew the appropriate steps to take or the things to do that were in line with the times that they were in. Right now is an unprecedented opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ to understand and to know what to do. There is an opportunity that lies before us, but this, this helps us to understand that th this whole passage in sec uh, First Chronicles helps us to, to understand that the spiritual understanding is rare. It is in the heart and the mind of just a few people. And my prayer is that our generation, that you and I, that Centerpoint Community Church, would, would understand and to be a part of a, the few that move and that walk and that respond with spiritual understanding to the times that we're in. Nearly every area of our lives has been affected by the coronavirus over the past few weeks. It's caused major disruptions in our daily lives. Schools have been closed. Gatherings have been shut down. Uh, prohibited events have been canceled. Borders have been closed to prevent the spread of this virus. For a vast majority, the income that they've, they've hoped for to receive from certain jobs has been cut off. In other words... All seven pillars of society have been affected by this. Religion, family, government, business, education, media, arts and entertainment have all been affected by the coronavirus. You say, well, we know that, Pastor, we know that. But if you don't understand, there's, it's beyond just knowledge, there's wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit to understand the times. And if you don't really understand it, all you're going to be doing is sanitizing more and washing more and, and practicing social distancing, which is, is good to protect yourself from getting the virus. But there's so much more God wants you to do besides following the necessary health precautions. Well, what do you mean, pastor? I can't do anything. I can't even leave my home. I can't go to work. Well, I, I, again, I agree with and I'm following the, the same safety measures that have, have, have been advised. In fact, it's, it's foolish for us to, to pray. Guys, practice those things. Please be smart. But, but that, that's, that is not all that God wants us to do with the times that we're in. And if you don't understand the times that you're in, you won't know what to do at this present time. You could end up doing nothing. You could end up doing the wrong thing. Or you could even be doing something that will have a negative effect on you. Or even worse, even worse, you could waste the present opportunity. Every season... That's right, I said opportunity. You said, oh, this is not an opportunity, Pastor. This is a, this is a pandemic of global, global catastrophic proportions. I want you to understand from God's word, this is an opportunity. Well, I don't know if I can embrace that. Listen, stay with me. I want you to understand for the present times that we're in, if we don't understand, we can easily miss out on what God is calling us to remember, to pay attention to, to do, to stop, to let go of, to hold on to, and to improve our personal lives and our families in the body of Christ, even in our nation 
and even in the nations of the world. What's going on today, right now, last week over 12,000 new churches joined live streaming to get the message of Jesus out there. Listen, the gospel message is reaching to the ends of the earth right now through this pandemic, beyond what we could even imagine months ago. Without understanding of the times, opportunities are wasted. Without understanding of the times, people live foolishly instead of wisely. Listen, I, I saw last night there was something on the news or a, a, a feed that I saw somewhere where a, a big party was busted where a bunch of young adults, there's 40 of them, got together in a house to throw a big party. Listen, when people don't understand the times, they act foolishly. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7, it says this. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's why we need, that's what we need to be praying at such a time as this. We need to be praying, Lord, I don't want to live foolishly. I, I, I don't want to be lacking in my spiritual understanding. Listen, church, many of us are lacking. We don't want to be lacking. Help me, give me, Lord, understanding and grant me. Grant me and my family and the church of God and our leaders an understanding of the time so that we know what we should be doing. You say, all right, pastor, how, how, can, how can someone have an understanding of the times that we're in? Simply by placing what is happening in, in these times alongside the word of God. Understand what's going on, watch the media, but we place that alongside the Word of God. Not just view it from the newspaper, the social media, or from the opinions being circulated out there. Your Bible must be so close to you at this time, closer than your iPhone or your iPad and, and all that. It's, it's not just the latest updates. It's not just to give you something to read on the news. We've got to get to the Word of God. So here this morning, I want to give you uh, three of, of five of principles that I believe the Word of God is teaching us during this time, and you'll have to tune in Monday and Tuesday night. I'm going to give you the last two, but this morning, this is what the Word of God says that we're to do with the times that we're in. Number one, understand Matthew 24, verses 3 through 8. It's a biblical confirmation of the things that will precede the coming of Christ. Biblical confirmation right now, we're seeing it. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Verse six, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet. Look at verse 7. I think I've got it up on the screen. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences, which is what we're seeing, corona, and earthquakes in various places. All of these things are the beginning of sorrows. The beginning Matthew 24 verse 7 tells us that when you hear of pestilence in various places like the coronavirus, when you hear of deadly overwhelming diseases that can affect the community and, and, and villages and the world at large, understand the time of these things are a part of the things that will precede the coming of Christ. 
Are you telling me Jesus is coming back next week, Pastor? No, I'm not telling you that. Matthew 24, 8 says that what we see now is nothing compared to what is coming. More painful and more sorrowful things are still to unfold as the days and the years progress. Well, that's not encouraging, Pastor. Well, Jesus has made it clear and and simple to all of us that no one knows the exact day or the hour of his coming in Matthew 24. We can't say that because we're facing the coronavirus, Jesus is coming back today or this month or this year or in 10 years or even in 100 years. We we don't know that. And, And because the way that we view and we calculate time is very different from God's concept of time. What we can say is that if the events that Jesus said would precede his coming are happening, then this should be our concern. Our concern right now should be to prepare ourselves for his coming now, not next year, not when we get older, not when we're less busy, but this should be our concern with what's going on in the world today, that we should prepare ourselves now for his coming. So what should be the prayer and the attitude of someone who who understands the times? It should be this. It should be not to just take precautions against the coronavirus. Yes, we should. But it also should be to take every precaution necessary for Jesus' coming. It should not just to be to pray that the virus will stop so we can resume our normal lives, but to pray that in everything in our normal lives that distracts us from God be removed. Let me say that again, because right now, God's giving an opportunity for a lot of distractions to be removed. So our prayer should be, God, remove everything in my normal life that distracts me from you being first. I've heard people say, man, I've got more opportunity to read my Bible. I've got more opportunity to pray. I've got more opportunity to go for walks and to be alone with Jesus. Well, you know what? Do it. God, remove the distractions, and don't let me get sucked back into... See, God is using what is going on right now to shake us up, to draw us closer to Him. And listen, at this church, and I'm speaking specifically to Centerpoint community right now, guys, God has been drawing us deeper. He's been, over the last several months, preparing us to go deeper, and now He's given us that opportunity. Will you press in even more? See, it shouldn't be just to pray that the virus be kept away from us, but to pray that we ourselves are not kept away from God. See, the major precaution for the coming of Christ is to be in Christ, not outside of Christ. And there are thousands of people in churches in America today, even virtual churches, yes, online, that are still not in him. John chapter 15 verse 6 says this, if anyone does not abide in me, let those two words sink in here and here, if anyone does not abide in me, church, this is an awakening. He's shaking us up. He's waking us up to say, abide in me. Don't be outside of me. Don't know about me mentally or intellectually to embrace Christian doctrine. Abide in me. If anyone does not abide, John 15, 6, look at it, it's on your screen. In me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them up and they throw them to the fire and they are burned. You see, to live for Christ, not for self or the things of this world, 
is what we're called to do. In John chapter, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, to be ready when the Lord comes, not to be taken unaware. We have to realize that so many of us still have a love for the world and for the things of the world. A lot of that's being stripped away right now. And you know what? It's an opportunity for you to strip away the non-essentials in life. You know, we, we've been told only essential workers are allowed to go to work. God's stripping away the non-essentials. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. In other words, what are we learning here? What is Matthew chapter 24, verse 44? It says this, it, to live each day as if it were your last. Therefore, also be ready. The Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This is not a gloom or doom or despair or saying, hey, get ready. It is a, hey, get your house in order. Hey, realize this is an opportunity for you to strip away all the non-essentials and for you to go after God with all you've got. Listen, coronavirus. We must take every precaution necessary for the coming of Jesus Christ, for his second return. Usually I preach a little better when I have a little help from the audience, but those four people in the back are awful quiet back there. Can you guys hear me out there? Say amen. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. Listen, it's good to follow the health precautions, to avoid the virus, to do otherwise would be foolish, but... What's even more foolish is to take precautions against the things that will precede the coming of Christ, but not to take precaution against the main thing all these events are pointing to. And the main thing that all these events are pointing to is the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So now more than ever, our prayer should be, God, help us to be in Christ. Help us to, to live for you. Strip away the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the longing for the things of this world. And help us to do everything necessary, God, to get ourselves ready to reign with you in glory. The second thing I want to give you this morning, it is a time to humble ourselves before God and to seek his mercy. Humble ourselves before God and cry out for his mercy. Second Chronicles seven thirteen. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, disease, infirmity. Verse fourteen. If my people, if my people, listen to that. Those two words. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. If we have an understanding of the times, we know that God is calling us to humble ourselves and to seek his face and to spend more time with him and to turn from our sinful ways and repent. This is, this is a shaking up for us, church. Second Chronicles tells us that whenever there's pestilence... Now, 
to take decisive action. The people of God have got to be very deliberate. We've got to think carefully about our lives. We've got to reflect on our actions. And then we've got to take steps to bring ourselves out of where we are to where God wants us to be. God didn't say if government, if educational, the educational sector, if the health sector would humble themselves and do the right thing, there would be a change. It's a waste of time at, at times like this to blame the government or to blame the, uh, whoever for not being proactive or, to, or not being equipped for these times. The scripture says, if my people, look at it in your Bible, if my people who are called by my name, those are Christians. Christ-like is what the word Christian means. You and I, our response at this time is to go to our maker, the one who calls us his people, and to seek his mercy and to seek his intervention. God, we need you. We're crying out to you. This should be a time of pressing us to our knees and crying out to God for grace and mercy. It's not a time for passing the buck to, on to government or to others and, and, and analyzing their incompetence or their irresponsibility. It's not a time to catch up on the latest news or the movies. Or It's not a time, as much as I love your picture, it's not a time for you adults to just have more TV time. It's a time for us to pray a prayer of repentance. Nehemiah said in chapter 1, <clears throat> it's a time to stay before God and to weep and to confess of our personal sins and the sins of our families and the sins of, of all believers in our nation and all over the world that we have we've allowed compromise and we've allowed the world to penetrate the walls of the church so much so that it, it has polluted our way of thinking and our way of acting and our way of being. Now is an opportunity, church, for us to allow the Lord to purify us and to prepare us because he's looking. His eyes run to and fro the earth looking for those whose eyes are fixed on him, whose hearts are completely surrendered to him. Look at Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Again, we've done some of these things as a church. God's been preparing us. You may not realize that. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Verse 6, please. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open that you may hear the prayer of your servant which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, us, that's talking about the church, the body, your servants, <clears throat> and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments and the statutes nor the ordinances which you have commanded your servant Moses. So our confidence in approaching God and <clears throat> taking time to pray this prayer is the, the promise of hope and deliverance. God has given us, which, which is that he will listen to us and he will restore our land to health. I truly believe that from the bottom of our hearts and with, with all sincerity, if we are crying out to God and we say this prayer, God, forgive me. God, forgive us. The sins that we have committed, forgive us of all the, the sins of Christians all over the globe. This country, this community, this nation, our world, our, our church. 
your church. Thirdly and lastly this morning, it's a time for personal and corporate revival. God is awakening the church. He's been awakening our church. I believe that in many of you. And now it's a time for corporate revival. Revival can't come to the land until awakening has come to the church. First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, I'm sorry, Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 28, Solomon said in times of crisis, calamity and pestilence like we're seeing today, whatever prayer is genuinely made by anyone or by all of the people of Israel, God's people, you and I, God would hear those prayers. Listen, verse 28 of Second Chronicles chapter 6, if there is famine in the land, I told you how many people are starving in the nation. A few months ago, we talked about the numbers. If there is pestilence, again, disease, or blight, or mildew, or locust, or caterpillar, if there are enemies, besiege them in the land at their gates. Whatever plague, whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever plea is made by any man or by all your people, Israel, each knowing his own affliction and his own sorrow and stretching out his hand towards this house, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive and render to each whose heart you know according to all his ways. For you, you only know the hearts of the children of mankind, that they may fear you and walk in your ways all the days that they live in the land you gave our fathers. Fear you. May God stir up a Fear of God, a, as I often say, and, and my mentor taught me, a, a steadfast disposition that takes God extremely serious in every area of our lives. So for God to move at a time like this, individuals must be praying. We had prayer last night. We had a wonderful time of prayer, prayer meeting, and we'll do that again Saturday night at 6 o'clock. I encourage you to tune in with us. We're, we're doing, doing it on Zoom where you can actually interact, and we had many people that were on last night that prayed. Individuals must be praying. As a believer, your prayer life has got to be alive, intense, and vibrant in these times. All of God's people must be praying. As a church, as a body of believers, we must pray vibrant and intense corporate prayers. The fire of prayer must be burning on our personal altar, on our family altars, on our church altars as we worship God and meet with Him. When there is pestilence, the prayer of one person can go a long way. Don't think your prayers don't matter. The prayer of God's people together with one heart and one mind, even if it's online prayer or a gathering, can accomplish great things. Psalm chapter 80, and I believe it. I've just got this two last scriptures to close with you. Psalm chapter 80, verse 18. Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us, and we will call upon your name. We understand that Psalms chapter 80, it takes people who are revived to call on God. God awakened dead bones. It takes people who are alive with the power and the fire of God and prayer, the prayer of God will arise to pray and there's change, to pray things that turn around for good. You see, we can't afford to be spiritually asleep at times like this when so many people need our prayers. The hand of God is removed, is moved in response to the believing prayers of his people. There are so many people at a time like this that need the prayer of one person, that need the prayers of this church. 
the church of God, which is globally right now praying and interceding and standing in the gap. And I pray that we're practicing these principles from God's word to call out in humility and prayer and to repent. Those who are affected by the virus need our prayers. Those that are treating others need our prayers. Those, our government leaders need our prayers to make wise decisions. If we're not ready to stay in the presence of God, to cry out to God and to pray, then we're not ready for God to save us and deliver us from the virus. Well, that's, those are strong words. Listen, Second Chronicles, chapter, Second Chronicles 20 says this in verse 9. If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or even famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will save us. Hear and save. You see, we need to pray and seek God, and you cannot pray fervently and effectively if your prayer life is dead or dying. And your prayer life is your lifeline to Him. Let's not be like King Asa, that at a time of sickness, he focused only on the physical sickness, and he ignored the spiritual. I would propose to you that the sickness in our world is way beyond COVID-19. It's a spiritual sickness. The people have turned away from God. Let's not be like Asa. Lord, heal the disease. Make that better. Let's recognize this is an opportunity for the church to arise and to awaken and to realize that we've been in a spiritual slumber. Let's not approach times that we're in as just a physical measures without, you know, with our physical senses, right? Let's not just wash and sanitize regularly. Let's let our hearts be washed with the blood of Jesus. Let's let our spirits become alive and begin to pray and bring down the mercy and the power of God on our land and on the nations of the world. Great opportunity right now for us to pray, Father, revive me. Pour out a spirit of prayer and grace. Holy Spirit, help me to pray. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, Likewise, and I shared this scripture last night, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. For my Spirit-filled brethren out there, for those who are uh, Pentecostal, you understand this. For those who are not, you dig deep because the Holy Spirit is alive with inside of you and that Spirit will make groanings for you, His Spirit. Lord, I pray that there would be a stirring up of your church. Let there be revival in the land and revival in the body of Christ. I love you guys and I pray for you and, and listen, on Monday and Tuesday night, I'm gonna continue with the last two points of this message, but I wanna pray a closing prayer of blessing over you. And, uh, and I didn't know that that song Sean was going to sing about God's presence, about his face. It's a new song that we did today. And man, that's powerful. And I had prepared this to be our closing prayer this morning. It's found in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. It says, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift of his countenance upon you 
And may God give you his peace today. Amen and amen. God bless you. And uh, if this message touched your heart, I want to encourage you to share it with somebody else. There's so much good going on right now online. Uh, let's share those um, those words and those nuggets with other people. And I hope that you'll stay connected to Centerpoint uh, on live through, uh, online throughout the week. I'll be giving a nugget Monday night and Tuesday night because I know I've got to finish this message up. And then God's got something else on my heart that I want to share with you Wednesday and Thursday night uh, or sometime during the day whenever I get the chance to do that. So God bless you and we'll be in touch. Um, we're signing out for now. Have a great day in the Lord's presence. Amen.